should Christians watch movies? You've probably gone to the movie theaters, and if you're like us in the Church of the Nazarene, you have a long history of people who didn't go to the movie theaters. But you've probably gone to the movies and thought to yourself, you know, should I really watch that? I know within Christian culture, you always hear these different angles of people saying things like, well, Christians shouldn't watch that sort of movie, or if you watch that, that's putting ideas in your head. And if you're somebody who is a believer in Christ and you look at the culture around you, you know, there certainly are things which are against Christianity. There are things which are trying to get rid of Christian tradition. But at the same time, there are some things which are really revelatory about the nature of God, even though they don't necessarily intend to be. If God really is the master of the universe, then he is the master of the universe and all of creation is either looking to move towards him or they are acting out in spite of him and trying to retaliate against him. So today we're going to have a conversation on how Christians should watch movies. So thank you for joining us. Welcome to Kingdom of the Logos and we are a Christian program of critical thinking and adventure. I'm Pastor J. Dylan Proctor and I hope you're having a good time at home. We have a whole slew of people here in the studio with us. Who all is here today? I'm Pastor Amanda Sparrow. I'm Pastor Anthony Alegria, and I'm happy that I'm not in just vague purgatory, as Dylan almost said. <laughs> we like to say that uh, our studio is cord purgatory, but he almost just said purgatory, which would have been bad for all of <laughs> no, us. No, no, we, we are in cord purgatory. We should be clear and precise. Excuse me. There are cords and cables everywhere to make us pay for um, the things we have done. Um, who else is here? We got one more. I am Pastor Mike Proctor, and I'm glad to be here. Okay, so today what we're going to do is we're going to play a game, Buy, Sell, or Hold. We used to call this Hot, Not, or Sanctified, but we've changed the name a little bit. And what this means is we're going to listen to a proposition. I'm going to give it, and everyone here in the studio will answer it. And you at home, you can answer it too. If you'd like to post your thoughts in the comment section, please do. We're going to do Buy, Sell, or Hold. Buy means you like it. Sell means you oppose it, you reject it. And Hold means you're only going to, you're going to reserve judgment on this one. And you can only do one hold per episode. We're going to do this with some propositions I have on how Christians should watch movies. Now, again, take for granted, you don't know the plot of the movie all the time before you get it, go into it. I mean, that's kind of inherent. You're watching the movie for the first time, though you may have seen a trailer, heard some spoilers. So you don't always know what you're getting into, but generally you have some sort of an idea. And this is just a metric for us looking at movies, looking back on them to decide if it is something which Christians should watch and what we should take away from it. Because really, I have been blessed as I've got to the stage in life where I really do look at everything with a theological perspective intentionally. I watch movies looking to see what is the theology in this. Even if it's not an explicitly Christian film, you still find a lot of interesting things. I recently put out that review for Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. Again, it has some Christian motifs in it. And in fact, the antidote to the evil in it is a Christian motif. So it's a really cool thing. So let's get into this. We're going to do buy, sell, or hold. And let me get into the first proposition. So... One of the questions we have, people say, oh, Christians shouldn't watch horror movies. They, they plant ideas in your head. Um, you know, they're, they're glorifying evil, they're celebrating evil. But the truth is, it is the moral compass of the story's arc, not the subject of the movie, that matters. So basically, it's the moral compass of the story arc. Take it something like The Conjuring, which, again, the subject matter is evil. It's a demon that is trying to attack a family. It's evil is attacking the nuclear family. But the moral compass of the story is God is the solution to this. Evil is attacking the family. The moral compass says God is how you solve this. And it's specifically the name of God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So my proposition is that it is the moral compass of the story arc, not the subject matter that determines really the value. Anthony? Uh, another example of this that a lot of you might be a little more familiar with is sort of along this line, um, you know, 
Not many of us who are concerned with God associate God with vegetables or anything like that. <laughs> but, you know, a lot of people really love the VeggieTales. Yeah, yeah. Everybody uh, I know who watched VeggieTales as a kid loved the VeggieTales. And uh, we can all sit back and realize, hey, VeggieTales, I mean, rather, vegetables, don't really have all that much to do more with God than I do or like a dog or anything yeah. like that. But VeggieTales... They're, you know, the story arcs are communicating a moral compass, which is Christian. All right, so let's do buy, sell, or hold with this, and we'll start with Pastor Amanda. Okay. Buy, sell, or hold. It is the moral compass of the story arc, not the subject matter, that is important. Yeah, I, I think definitely buy on this one because it does help us, I think, to have a better uh, rubric or measuring stick by which to grade if we see a movie or not, or after we've seen a movie to see if that was actually something worth rewatching. Because um, it's it still, this is still allowing us, I think sometimes we say, oh, the subject matter doesn't matter. Then some people are like, oh, we can go watch whatever we want. No. <laughs> uh, there, there are still things that are probably outside of the purview of, uh, that is good and healthy uh, to watch and to consume and to let our minds think upon. But it's, it's kind of differentiating where that measuring stick is. It's, a, it's not kind of just like what title or genre is kind of slapped on the movie or how good the movie is by the critics or by audiences, but it's really looking at kind of the deeper message of the movie. Um, so I think, again, bye. Bye. All right, Pastor Mike, what do you think? Well, I want to say bye, but there's a part of me that says subject matter does. It, it, it is extremely important, especially for, for um, youth and uh, children. So I'm going to go with, a reserved by, well, if that's possible. Um, um, I only re only get one hold, so. <laughs> but just kind of building off what you said, when a minute, discretion is always important. Obviously, yeah. if you're somebody who's scared to death of horror movies, don't watch a horror movie. <laughs> if if um your grandmother has issues sleeping at night, or you you've got a three year old, you know, don't don't watch horror movies. Um, that one's kind of a um, little bit self explanatory there. Um, though I guess you got to kind of point that out in this day and age. But you look at some things, though, like, again, The Conjuring, it clearly tells you the antidote is God. You look at other things like that movie Hereditary, which came out. And I don't know if any of you saw that, but there was no evil one in the end because there was no antidote. The people in the movie, they openly said, we reject God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. They rejected the Trinity. And when you do that, evil wins. And, you know, that's the worldview of that movie, a world that rejects God, evil comes and has victory over you. So, I mean, that is a theological thing. It's terrible. Um, it's wretched and evil. And So, if yeah. I understand correctly, you're saying the moral compass on that one is wrong from the very beginning. Yeah, it's wrong from the very okay. beginning. And it yeah, shows well, you that. I, yeah. You know, for for mature adults, I will say that is uh, a buy for sure for me yeah. then. Yeah. Um, yeah, you look at... Anthony, what do you think? We'll, we'll get on all the way around. I think definitely a buy. And uh, I would agree with what Pastor Amanda and Mike said also. Um, if I was being a stickler, generally speaking, I would definitely say buy. If I was just going to like one-liner tell someone something about this, I would say, yeah, stick to the moral compass. Subject matter is not all that important. If you want to watch Vegetables Talk, that's you. So, you know, but and, and again, um, I do think it's important, like, you know, for instance, uh, maybe glorifying, maybe a movie is, has a really great moral compass, a hero, he sacrifices himself, all that stuff, but maybe he's like a very, very, very serious, avid smoker. And it's like, well, that's not a good thing to teach young people because that's going to harm them in the long run. You know, so maybe like, Subject matter matters a little bit. There's certain things in there that are corrupting over the course of time, and especially for younger people. But um, generally speaking, the moral compass is significantly more important. I think the things that are communicated 
concerning moral compasses in movies are extremely influential on people's life also. Yeah, and the reason why I brought this one up, and the reason why I've talked so much about horror films, is because surprisingly, the subject matter of horror films is often demons and evil and wicked things. But the world is filled with wicked things. But somehow, horror movies that are made by secular studios have been immune to the culture wars and stuff going on in, in modern Western civilization. They still have a moral compass oriented towards God, which is really crazy. It's really shocking, but it's overwhelmingly true. Anthony? Um, I think there are definitely scary movies which are not oriented towards God oh, yeah, at all. And they're sure. just graphic yeah, yeah. and disgusting and evil wins. And I'm not going to lie, I don't find those entertaining anyways. No, no. And I've never really liked those. Uh, but um, I do have to agree that there are a surprising amount of yeah. horror films where God does win the day. And it's sort of surprising. And it is, you, you it's do explicitly grow up with this, God like, that wins. You, you do yeah. sort of grow up with this idea that scary movies are on the worst side of movies and, you know, they're inappropriate and things like that. But they frequently do actually glorify God, which is so strange. It is strange. Um, yeah. Scary Stories Telling the Dark was an example of that. The Conjuring series, very much an example of that. Um, even back in the old Exorcist movie, which the demon is just graphic and nasty, but I mean, it is a demon. It's in the name. <laughs> um, but there's the sacrifice at the end, which, I mean, yeah. All right, so the next proposition I have. So we've established that the moral compass of the story arc is important, but you say, well, how do I find the, the moral compass? You know, that's a question. You say, well, how do I know? I don't know these people. I'm just watching them on the, the screen. How do I know what they are? Well, Here's a proposition I have for you all. By Sarah Holt, you can find the moral compass in a movie by what the antidote to the problem is. And this is true even if it's not explicitly stated in the dialogue. So you look at something like the Spider-Man films. Um, Spider-Man Homecoming, Spider-Man makes a mistake and he says, I'm going to rise the occasion, I'm going to go solve this. You look at all the way back, Sam Raimi, the first one there with the Green Goblin. You know, He does something, Uncle Ben dies and he says, I have to work this out myself. I'm not passing this off to other. I'm not going to be a coward and just kind of retreat back in the hole. I'm not going to take the path of least resistance, but I'm going to own up to my life and I'm going to go out and act on it. You know, that kind of gives you the movie's moral compass, this idea that you have to take initiative. You have to go on the adventure uh, of life. You look at something like It's a Wonderful Life, which is one of my favorite movies of all time. Again, this idea that it is family, which is important. Um, another favorite movie of mine is Fantastic Mr. Fox. And that movie's moral compass, you know, he's got the solution. He's done some things. He admits, I'm a wild animal. And while the wild animal part of my nature was ruling over me, you know, I stole some stuff from some farmers. Now they want to kill me and my family. The antidote to this problem is instead of the wild animal ruling over me, I rule over the wild animal. It's sort of the idea of the carnal nature. You know, we're all carnal natures. We, we want to do sin. It takes us out to do things. But when you say, I'm going to rule over the carnality, not it rule over me. You know, this is the same thing God says to, to Cain there in Genesis. He says, you know, you rule over the evil or else it'll rule on you. It wants you. So you find the moral compass of a movie when looking at what is the antidote to the problem. Again, you look at The Conjuring. I love that sentence in there. Um, Ed Warren comes up and says, have you and your family been baptized? The man says, no. He says, you might want to rethink that. And when they're casting out the evil, they do it in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Um, so what do y'all think? Pastor Amanda, by Sarah Hold. You find the moral compass by what is the antidote to the problem? Um, yeah, I, I think this is can be very helpful. Um, and this one kind of makes you, though, watch the movie carefully. So it may not be a good kind of uh, way of, of telling if you should watch a movie to start off. Um, but it would be really, it's really great to kind of analyze the movie while you're watching it. And then, of course, afterwards in understanding um, 
because obviously if they think you know the antidote to uh, to use Pastor Dylan's examples, uh, if you're fighting demons and your antidote is to get a bigger demon, um, maybe maybe not the most um, orthodox uh, moral compass there. Uh, yeah. So um, yeah, so I think, but it can be very telling. And obviously, there there are movies that maybe are a little bit more implicit than that, uh, less obvious, a little bit more investigation needs to be had. But yeah, I think sure. this is an interesting way. And I think there's other metric systems as well that can be used to help um, grade a movie's not only quality, but also its morality and its message. Uh, but I think that's a really great one to kind of tell because you can just look kind of at the end of the movie and be like, okay, uh, main character or characters did this and this is, you know, and so you can kind of figure out how, why they did what they did. So I, I think buy on that one. You, you said talking about, you know, if your solution is to go get a bigger demon, <laughs> I hate the movie Watchmen. I hate that movie. And I think we can all agree it's the sort of movie that people that are like sophomores in high school, they're like, I'm in smart because I like this movie. And then as, after you get older and a little wiser, you're like, no, you're not smart if you, if you like that movie. That movie's terrible. Um, and in it, that is their solution. Their antidote is to create a lie of a bigger problem. And that's the antidote to the world's problems. Which is funny because that's also like the um, the motivation between a lot of recent villain uh, superhero movies, villains. Yeah. Like if you watch a lot of like current Marvel and DC movies, like the villain is always kind of like they kind of start out where you're not quite sure if they're a good guy or a bad guy, and and their whole motivation is well, if I create a um, a trouble and I save people from that or I create the solution. And they want to like, be the Wizard of Oz. Right. You're yeah. like, no, that makes you the villain. So it is kind of humorous yeah. then in this Watchmen movie that that was what their heroes did. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there's a blurring of lines and that's how you can kind of tell. It's not, it doesn't have the best moral compass yeah. uh, because there really is, and listen, this is not to say there shouldn't be complex characters, but to say ultimately what drives the character, if it is to just be... Um, uh, more villainous than heroic, then obviously they're not all that great of a hero. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Watchmen, terrible movie. And so is V for Vendetta. Hate that movie too. It's awful. Very, very unchristian in its setup. Well, I will say, uh, even it might not have the best aesthetic and all that stuff, but that movie is actively against the church. It uses a lot of symbolism. Yeah. I mean, even the, the symbol of the uh, super oppressive government is like a double cross. You know, it's. Over and over throughout the movie, I I got about halfway through it and I was just like, all right, I'm done. Like I was hoping, it was, I was hoping it would redeem itself. It never did. It just kept on getting worse and worse and like trying to bash Christianity. I was like, all yeah, right, I, I can't enjoy this anymore. Before I was able to perceive anything, back when I was in like high school, I saw that movie and hated it. Yeah. I, I knew that was just garbage. Right? I couldn't lay a finger on why, but just the worldview, it was terrible. Uh, I read somewhere on the internet, they thought it was, again, funny how in different genres of movies we find characters' uh, behavior either acceptable or not. In V for Vendetta, the main character is considered the hero, and yet his whole plot is the same as Ra's al Ghul in Batman Begins. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> who is the villain yeah, in yeah, Batman Begins? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so just an interest. And yep. we are getting way off topic. So circling back around to the proposition on, uh, I think, Mike and Anthony have an Oh, answer. yeah, that's right. So um, <laughs> Pastor Mike, by the moral compass in a movie can be found by examining the antidote to the problem. Uh, I'm going to buy with the understanding that, you know, obviously – the moral compass is not always great. It can very much be bad. Oh, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. But that's one way of um, trying to, to understand that. And that's with a good movie. Yeah, and this is just a tool to help you as you're watching. Again, the whole title is this, How Should Christians Watch Movies? You watch it and you're trying to figure out if this is good or not. You Look know, at the main problem. There's always a concern because 
you know, our moral compass shouldn't come from movies. No, no, absolutely not. That's that's 100% for sure. But we have to understand when we watch movies, they do influence uh, people's moral compass. So. Yeah, and, and again, we're not here saying that you should find movies that you design your life around. We're just saying when you watch movies and you want to have more of a theological insight to them, these are some some little tips and tricks we're giving out. Anthony, what do you think? Buy and sell hold on this one. I would definitely say buy. Um, additionally, I would also say that uh, you can also ask the question, you know, um, to what is goodness being attributed, which that's sort of a complicated way to say that, but I couldn't think of anything any other way to say it. But what, what's the movie trying to say? is good you know is it good for you to for you to be of the mindset and philosophy which says you know i just want to be me and what i think about myself matters more than anything like standards or any sort of aspirations more than just myself and that sort of thing or is the movie uh saying something else about uh how you should be living your life and what the right philosophy for life is and so um, you know, it, that still is sort of the same thing as answering the question, what answers the problem? Because in a movie like that, the problem is life. You know, how do you live life? Yeah, and then yeah. their answer is, well, you can live life by, you know, just uh, being yourself and YOLO and that sort of mindset. Or, and there's lots of other answers to that question that I think are a lot better. Um, <laughs> but And that's another thing that's good about uh, Dylan's question as well is that every plot has a problem. Uh, at least I hope it does. Otherwise, it's not very interesting. <laughs> Unless it's the the Starfighters movie or whatever it was that Mystery Science Theater did, where it had the pilots. That movie was terrible. No <laughs> plot at all. Um, but all right, one other thing. Uh, people are probably watching. Well, everybody's buying this stuff. If you can sell, if you think there's a better solution to what I'm okay. saying. So again, healthy disagreements fine. I know last week we did another buy, sell, or hold, and people were like, "Hey, don't be too hard on one another." Look. In the church, we have a problem where people aren't familiar with healthy disagreement between Christians. They kind of want to say, oh, well, you disagree with me on this, like this song, so I'm going to pack up my stuff and leave. You know, we have unity and essentials. You know, we look at the Apostles' Creed, we look at Scripture, we have unity. Then we have liberty and non-essentials. So it's, it's all right if we have differing opinions on stuff. So you can sell if you think there is a better solution than what I'm saying. So... Talking about healthy disagreement, <laughs> on to topic three. Oh my, yeah, this one's going to be really contentious. Um, please hang with us. We're not here to cause division. Um, we're just here to stir your minds. Um, please don't come in and get us on this one. Though if you do want to send pitchforks, we'll take those too. <laughs> 6186 Eaton Creek Road, Jolton, Tennessee. So not everything from a Christian studio portrays the gospel well, and sometimes non-Christian movies and non-Christian studios portray the gospel well in spite of themselves. So this is the next buy, sell, or hold. Mm -hmm. So by this, I'm basically saying sometimes you're surprised that Christian movies aren't as Christian as they should be. I know back when I was a kid, there was this whole trend of like end-time movies that got really out there. Mm -hmm. Like they were just like somebody's crazy like end-time Christian fantasy and then, but they were from a Christian studio, so a lot of parents were like, well, you've got to watch this. Like, this is orthodox. And then there are some things which are not Christians, things like Wonder Woman, where you've actually got someone who's more like a Greek god than something for Christianity, but it has a lot of elements of Christian culture there within it. And in spite of the fact that it's not explicitly Christian, it actually is portraying the gospel pretty well. So what do you all think on this one? Buy, sell, or hold? I think this one's really good to help us to make decisions kind of on the front end of what movies we watch and even how um, how we watch movies as well, obviously. Because, again, I think a lot of times we give up kind of that judgment. And when I say judgment, I mean like deciding between things. We give it up to other people. Um, and, and it's not to say like, you know, if you look on IMDb or Rotten Tomato or some other of these, uh, what's the Christian one that like rates movies for you? 
um, plugged in. You know, that's not bad to have those resources, but if we, like, just say, okay, as long as it's got, like, Kirk Cameron's name slapped on it, then I can watch it, and there's no other critical thought brought into it, I think we've kind of dug ourselves a little into a hole a little bit. And so I really like this this thing because it's, t it's challenging us. I like this proposition because it is challenging us into really thinking about what we're watching before we watch it, not just because it has, you know, this studio behind it or this producer or this director or this actor or actress, but then it's really something that can be good or bad or just silly uh, because we're judging it based on its merits, not by, again, the kind of the Mickey Mouse sticker that's going to be slapped on top of it. Yeah. Um, and listen, I, Christian movies are Christian movies. I, I, I don't particularly... Um, I think, again, we say, oh, it's a Christian movie, therefore it has Christian morals. Well, one, it may have Christian morals, but they may not be the ones from your tradition. Um, they may be more fundamentalist or more charismatic than yours. So just because it's Christian doesn't necessarily yeah. mean that you're going to agree with it. And also, I think a lot of movies, secular or Christian, can fall into this category. They're just shallow. And there's only so much you can do in an hour and a half. I get that. Or two hours. But don't think you're the great, you know, treatise on, you know, you're not going to compare to Augustine or Aqu Thomas Aquinas or John Wesley uh, just because you can make a movie. Uh, no matter how great you think it is. Um, so I think there's caution that needs to be had, uh, even in Christian movies, that critical thinking does not get to just go away. Okay. So, <laughs> Pastor Mike, buy, sell, a hold on this one. I'm going to buy. And um, I think, you know, I, I, well, I got behind a van today, and it says Jesus rocks, and, and there was a, you know, um, more, um, you know, like a, a picture of Jesus with a, you know, a halo around his head holding a guitar. And so, uh, yeah, it looked like a Scooby-Doo van. And so this is the thing. I think Christianity is so wide um, in what people want to worship. So they just slap Jesus on it. So when we, yeah. I think when we get to anything, um, whether it be a movie or whatever, just when it's labeled Christian, we still have to look deep to see what are they really uh, what what are the what is the message in this? So I, I'll agree with that. And you know, occasionally secular, uh, there's a lot of uh, uh, things that that reflect some some uh, a absolute good things that God has done. Yeah, and, uh, in the secular world. So, yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah. And again, I know I talked a lot about the Conjuring movies, but I just brought up Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman as well is a really good film where you get this idea of someone who does, is kind of naive to morality thinks, you know, I can go out and kill Ares and everything's good. And she kind of finds out that evil is not so easily defeated. And then there's that whole final scene you see with Trevor. He kind of goes, flies up in the air, and you're like, man, I really like this guy, but, oh, gosh, dude, you got to blow yourself up. Like, not because you're committing suicide, but the sacrifice is necessary for the good to happen. And, you, you know, that's really Jesus goes to the cross. You see even going back to the Old Testament, there's a lot of things which come at a great cost. Coming out of Egypt came at a great cost. You see with the early church how many people were martyred and for the, the sake of what is, is good and what is of God. And you do see that in a lot of things. I know Anthony mentioned the exorcist earlier where, you know, some evil it really wants to have a victory. But if we're honest about life and we're honest even about Scripture, Evil comes to God and says, let me have the body. Evil can't care for a soul. It can't take your soul unless you give it to you. you know, this is the whole deal with Genesis. You know, God says, don't, don't let that rule over you. You've got to rule over it. 
Um, but there with Job, you see Satan, he comes, he says, come on, God, let me, let me have his bones. Let me have his corpse. Come on, let me have that dead body. Because Satan can't care for a soul, but he will gladly take a body. Gladly. But the soul, the breath of life, that goes back to God. Satan can't have it. And you see a lot of Christian movies, they kind of want to shy away from that, the truth that there's a lot of nastiness in the world. Evil, it really wants that corpse. And sometimes the heroes die. But that doesn't mean that that evil won't just because they, they got the body. Satan can't have the soul, can't care for it. Anthony, what do you think on this one? Buy, sell, or hold? I need to remember what this one is. Um, um, I'm just playing. Uh, so, yeah, definitely uh, buy. Though I will also say um, it's scary how many crashing how many catholics under crashes how many catholics under the table make movies because they make a lot of movies that they don't tell anybody about you know they're really heavily involved in like for instance uh, the making of gattaca which if like it's it's that's an older movie but if you just see the title you read the description about it everything else you'll be like eh, nah that's not a that's not an explicitly Christian movie. And then you get into like some of the symbolism and the producers and things like that. It's like, holy cow, yeah, this is like almost entirely Christian. So <laughs> it's just a funny thing to note. Um, yeah. They make a lot of, they make a lot of, I think, really good movies that uh, they don't, they don't take credit for. It's like they're sort of their own uh, trick there, but yeah. I, it's kind of funny. All right. Well, the last one I've got for us today, and then we'll all give a, a stab at our favorite movie and what <laughs> element of the gospel it portrays. But for proposition number four. If God truly is the master of creation, God is the one who sits in the throne of heaven and rules over all of creation, then all art is either pursuing some truth of God's nature. So not all of God's nature. It's not trying to element everything of God, but it wants to take one aspect of God's nature and, and put this into the movie as saying this is what's good. Or the art is in spite of God's nature. You get something like V for Vendetta, totally in spite of God's nature. You took it something like... Um, the Watchmen, also totally in spite of God's nature. You, you find things like that which are just totally in spite of it. They're based on lies and, and other stuff. Um, then you get other things which, I don't know, take something like Fantastic Mr. Fox. I mentioned earlier this idea of you rule over the cardinal nature, not it rule over you. You know, that's some, that is a truth of God. God has revealed that to us. You know, it's not the whole gospel package in there. It's not, wasn't meant to be. But all art is either in pursuit of God or it is in spite of God. What do we think about that? By so a whole. Okay. Pastor Amanda, I'll let you start with it. Um, yeah, I think there's something interesting about this. And as I was trying to decide where I kind of, I like the thought of it. Um, but I think there needs to be room to also say that sometimes things, um, some things are just silly. You know, there's more than just two theological categories. Sometimes there's seven and sometimes there's ten, to, to paraphrase a professor uh, from Trevecca. Uh, there, there's insanity in our world. There's silliness. There's weirdness. There's uh, indifference, and 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 so I think I like again. I like the element and, and the thought process behind the statement, but I think we need to be careful not to try to over reduce things okay. into either A or B. Um, and and also I was thinking, you know, um, I think it was the transcendentalist, and I think it was Edgar Allan Poe that said this, uh, that he believed that his art, his writing should not teach, that they should simply be stories. And he wrote scary stories mostly, and and that they they should just, but yet, if you read all of 
uh, or any of Edgar Allan Poe's poems or, or scary stories. There are lessons to be learned in them. But his idea was not that they did not have to be explicit in order yeah. to teach. They did, they did not need to conclude with the moral of the story today is be kind, right? It didn't have to be that kind of explicit. So at the same time, I think everything teaches... Every story has a meaning to it, whether we intend or not. Uh, however, again, I think we should be careful not to oversimplify. So I say all that to say, if I have to go with a buy, sell, or hold, I'm going to say um, hold. Because I, I think there needs, it's a good thought, but I think a lot of caution and, again, comprehensive and critical thinking need to be okay. applied within it. That's fair. And by your argument, I would have just gone ahead and sold if I were you. But um, <laughs> fair, fair enough. Fair, fair indeed. Um, Pastor Mike, what are your thoughts on this? I'm going to sell. Sell. Okay. Not sell. I don't agree with that. I think, I think, uh, it, some of, a lot of art may fall into that category. Um, but I think some of it is just, it has none of that in, in, in mind when it's being created. Uh, I think it, like Amanda said, some of it's silly. Some of it, you know, has no rhyme or reason. I guess you could say that's towards chaos. But at the end of the day, I, I'm just going to sell that because I, I think. There's something behind the beginning um, with that statement that says it either starts or with that um, understanding of where it's going, and I, I don't see that in all art. So all right, I'm just so going to say I, I sell 100% on that. So you're making the argument that it's subjective. Amanda's making the argument that there should be more categories. And I would like to point this out, though. Nowhere in my statement does it say that it is intentionally either moving towards God or intentionally in spite of God. I'm going to sell it anyway. Because you do find a lot of, because people are a lot more complicated than they are self-aware. <laughs> like you find people who are unintentionally, like Jonah has no intention on being a prophet. He sets on Nineveh to not be a prophet and he ends up being very successful as a prophet. He even gets he hates it. <laughs> he hates it. And he even gets sailors to make covenants with God. So just because someone intends on doing something doesn't mean that's going to be the outcome of their action. Um, and that's really where I'm coming from this. It, regardless of what your intent is, you can't escape God. Like if we use the Socratic method as ask how, why, and go all the way back, you're going to either get towards God or you're going to find yourself spitting and gnashing in teeth and being a little monster. All right. But fair, fair enough. I'll, I'll accept it. We, we're fine with that. Um, Anthony, what do you think? Buy, sell, or hold on this one? Um, well, you have clarified now, so part of my prepared answer just got axed. <laughs> but um, I would say uh, I'm going to hold. Is mostly because I agree with it a lot, but um, also I do think that there should be more categories. Uh, but more categories to represent the intention of the work, because there are some things that are just silly, and we're gonna see that with my favorite movie, I think. <laughs> and then um, beyond that as well, I would also just add like a little addendum to my own comment and say that at the end of the day though pretty much all art is going in one direction or the other generally or at least aspects of the art different aspects of the art are uh either representing truths concerning god and god's intention for creation and nature or it is actively going against um aspects of God, aspects of God's creation for nature, and just uh, nature in itself. And God is a God of order. So movies that are created in nothingness, those two are against God. Yeah, that's sort of what I was saying whenever movies God, try to push away from the Those that are pushing towards the exists. void, you know, that's in spite of God. 
All right, so let's end this out. And again, send us your thoughts, questions, comments on all of this. Yeah. Um, and I, I was actually glad to get some some contention <laughs> there on that back. last point. It's a little bit of fun when we have some debate around here. I like that. It's not bad. It's yeah. fun. It's enjoyable. Um, so I want us to end this out with saying, what is your favorite movie? And what element of the gospel does it portray in it? So we'll start with Pastor Amanda, and we'll come oh, back no. around. Oh, no. See, I was the one that was still debating. I think you need to start with someone else. Yeah, Anthony's eager to share. Let Anthony share first. All right, yeah, all right. I've got this. So um, for now. So, all right, my favorite movie, I think, of all time. I can watch this movie literally anytime. I think I watched it twice the other day. Um, there's actually another one I've got in mind, but I'm going to keep that one to myself. It's a kid's movie. But anyways. Uh, well, no, you got to say it now. You can't just tease us like that. You can't just be it. <laughs> A tease over there on the the camera. All right, all right. This is not my favorite movie. And this is almost like I'm confessing a sin. I did watch this twice by myself. It was the movie Trolls. Oh, gosh. (laughs) I can't believe I watched that twice, but it was really good. But anyways, it's not my favorite movie. My favorite movie has probably got to be John Carter of Mars. And in it... In it, there are depicted, like, immediately, like, different masters of the universe. She's got sort of, like, her messenger angels and things like that. And it's almost like her will for creation is almost like destruction or something. It's weird. I don't know exactly how it works out. So there's parts of the movie which are, like, definitely you could say, like, if that was a statement about God, it would be bad. But on the flip side, there's also parts of the movie which are very representative of God in that it's depicted as good that the heroes are fighting her. And so it's like, you know, there's lots of... Uh, good things about the movie also that are being depicted about what's right and wrong and that sort of thing. And then there's also lots of other good and bad stuff. It's just so jumbled up. I honestly just think it's just silly. I don't think the people... I I really... I can't stand to watch a lot of movies that have a direct political or theological agenda with... um, that are against uh, basically what I believe. That might sound kind of closed-minded, but... It really just kind of makes me mad because I know how influential it is. And I know people see those movies and they're like, this is my proof, you know. And so um, that sort of is kind of irritating to me whenever I'm watching. It just kind of ruins the whole thing. I used to be able to be to get past that and watch it. Um, now it's just sort of irritating. So uh, it, it just sort of bothers me. But there is this movie, John Carter of Mars. It's so in the middle. Yeah, I don't think it has any real agenda or statement about life to make. I think it's just supposed to be entertaining and fun. And um, it is for me, so. <laughs> so, all right, Pastor Mike, what's your favorite movie and what, oh, and emphasizing what here, just for the record, what element of the gospel does it pray? If, if somebody's listening to this, they're looking for a movie, tell them what, what element of the gospel can you view in this? Oh, I got, I got two movies. So I'm going <laughs> to, I want to go with my first, I think it kind of dates me a little bit, I guess, but I like uh, Indiana Jones and the last crusades. And I think when, when uh, you know they're they're trying to find which is the 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 holy um, grail, uh, you know they actually say, well, you know it's got to be this one because Christ was so humble, hmm. uh, and uh, that that probably is one. But more recent, this is a hundred and twenty-five thousand uh, dollar budgeted movie, so it's not. You know, probably didn't show in every theater. <laughs> or any. <laughs> or, well, maybe not any. I will say this, though. I like to watch Bigfoot movies, and y'all can make fun of them if you want to. Everybody's got their own little weird thing. We can make fun of Anthony for sure <laughs> on, on not seeing Star Wars. So For the, the record, pitchforks are Mike coming. Mike does not believe 
in Bigfoot. Just throwing it out there. This is the internet. People can interpret things. Hey, 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 don't no, put my second. belief system out. No, wait a second. Now, if what Anthony is saying is contrary to what I suspected, so I, I don't know. I don't know where this is going. Hey, <laughs> my belief is well, that Pastor Mike. Y'all quit trying himself. to say what I believe. I will say this: <laughs> something in the woods is a great. $125,000 movie. It's got a setting of in the 1960s. So are you going to see a, you know, 2012 car roll by there? Maybe. You know, so, you know, it, it's it's a low-budget movie, but it has a, it, it is about Bigfoot, but at the end of the day, the, the storyline, the arc, I believe, is that the that sometimes the real monster is not just out there, but it's ourselves. And looking at some of these situations that occur over and over again, and the movie does a really good job of semi-addressing it, but they leave it open for a conversation to be had among people. And so there's some really good stuff in there that, that you know, just that's bad. In, but it's left open to say, hey, why did this happen? And and it's a true, truly, it's 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 good. Sometimes our own worst enemies ourselves. Started out rough, but Mike for the win. <laughs> All right, <laughs> Pastor that. Amanda, what do you think? All right, well, oh man, I have so many movies I I love, um, but I think what I'm gonna go with is Star Wars, and um, I know Anthony has not the original seen trilogy. Okay, I'm gonna go with all of them, and then okay, I'm gonna break okay. this down. Oh, so you gotta hear this. snitching on me. No. no <laughs> Anthony. Anyway, <laughs> all the original trilogy, or no, just the whole universe. The whole universe, okay, and this, okay. and I cannot, I cannot speak for what. Okay, at the time of this filming, uh, the Mandalorian hasn't come out. The the last uh, Star Wars episode nine hasn't come out. All the different series that they're projecting haven't come out. So I can't speak for all of Star Wars of all time and all space, but for for the current uh, current movies. Um, and I think what I love about them is that. Um, kind of uh, very similar to, to what you talked about with Wonder Woman. Evil keeps coming out. And it comes out in different ways, right? So in the original trilogy, it's Darth Vader. It's a very obvious, you know, almost like an old Western where you know the villain is because he's wearing the black cowboy hat, right? So Darth Vader, obvious villain. In the in the prequel trilogy with 1, 2, and 3, it's a little bit, you're not quite sure who the villain is. And the villain kind of changes and he hides behind all of this uh, intrigue and conspiracy. And and then the, the, the modern movies, again, you kind of have this revivalism of an old, old uh, classic villain. Um, but maybe there might be, in hinting into what comes in episode 9, the villain may be more amongst us than we realize. But what I like about it is that each time, each new generation has to take up the mantle of fighting evil. And I really like, I know a lot of people hated how they took care, uh, how they cared for the character of Luke Skywalker in episode 8. Um, it, like, because he was kind of old and grizzled, but I like it. I really like that portrayal of Luke Skywalker because the, to me, that's the... That's what, like, have you ever met a pastor that's been preaching and pastoring for 20, 30 years? They're tired. They're exhausted. They fought the same battle a hundred times over, and they have to fight it again. Luke Skywalker, you know, he, he goes and he tries to get his father to turn to the good side, and now his nephew has turned to the dark side. And it's like, I can get that exhaustion <laughs> as a minister of barely six years. Um, I can I can resonate with that exhaustion. And yet, even with the... the feeling like you're just beating your head against the wall because evil keeps coming each new time, each new generation, and yet we are still called as the people of God to rise to the occasion, to call out evil when we see it, and to fight against it. And I do think uh, the best Star Wars movie is episode four. That's just a fact. Uh, but <laughs> <laughs> but the 
The second close to that is Rogue One, um, because, again, we can't just sit back and wait for someone else to fight evil um, and to stop oppression. We have to, to take charge. So I think that is that is my favorite. Those are my favorite movies, and that's the Christian element well, that reveals. Well, of, of the, any Star Wars movie that's not the original trilogy, Rogue One is the best. Ro- Rogue One's great. I, I hated that droid that's in there, but it even makes you feel va- bad for it when it gets destroyed. But um, you know, we said earlier the most content- most contentious thing we said was this whole thing about Christian studios not always portraying the gospel well. Well, I I disagree with that. I'm gonna have to sell on that now because <laughs> uh, what, what y'all are saying right now, you're dropping some big facts. People care about these. Things. No, now <laughs> I, I was about to say you can't weigh in on this because you haven't seen <laughs> yeah. all Star Wars. But Rogue One is really good, and yeah. and the fact when everyone makes the sacrifice in the end, you're like, all right, this is this is really how this sort of thing plays out. Like, yeah. But um, all right, so my I, favorite. Before you say your, go ahead, go ahead. Well, I've already said it once, so this isn't going to be a big surprise. But then I'm going to break the rules. I guess since I'm the host over here, I can do that a little bit. <laughs> I'm going to include something that's not a movie. Um, I love It's a Wonderful Life. Um, the older I get, I would I can't believe I'm saying this about something that's not explicitly like an action movie. Like the 13 <laughs> year old boy in me wants to be like, no, it's Indiana Jones, the Temple of Doom. Those alligators are awesome, and they're also indicative of evil. Like you're just trying to like finish your life mission. You got problems, and these alligators just happily spinning around up under a rope bridge, just waiting to Tearing eat you. you yes, yeah, that's an analogy for life. You know, Anthony, we got to work on your car. You got to get it up. The alligators, they're just gonna take joy in eating you when problems come. Anyways, my favorite. It's the a wonderful life. It does portray the idea that God calls us to be family. You know, you want to go on the adventure. You want to go around the world. You want to go do all this exotic stuff. But yet the thing that matters most is what is there locally. You know, there's some shallow stuff in that movie, like the whole angel and stuff like that. You know, it's sort of a a shallow take on what an angel is. But then the deeper message of the movie you know, the antidote is, I actually love my family. You know, you come home and say, hooray, I'm going to jail. This whole movement where you, you realize the love of life. The greatest thing is family. It's the adventure that God has been calling people to since our most ancient ancestors. You know, that is where the true joy is found in life. That is what God desires for you to, to have, have that, that love, to be part of that, and to be blessing your, your, the people around you, your neighborhood, expanding beyond the family. You know, being that sort of person, that is who God has called us all to. And I love that movie. It it portrays that so well. So well done, too. So well cast. Um, But breaking my own rules, my favorite story of all all time and one of the most theological things I think I've ever encountered is 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. (laughs) I read eight different Jules Verne novels. Now I love them all. But 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea is an amazing novel. It's about a man who basically says, I want to go back to the void. I want to reject the order of God's creation. And really complex character, Captain Nemo. Um, a lot of movies, they try to simplify him and make him two or three-dimensional. He's way more complicated, way more nuanced than that. Um, and Kansei, the sort of opposite of him, the, the servant there. Oh, it's great. But anyways, send us your thoughts, questions, or comments. Again, check out our other stuff. We, of course, are podcasts. We're on iTunes, SoundCloud, a lot of different places. Facebook, YouTube. If you want to go to YouTube, you can check out our movie reviews. We're going to start doing those regularly. Um, The first one that I kind of kicked things off with was Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. We're going to do more of that. Um, Another thing that we do have, again, we have a new website. We're trying to get articles and things out there. We're trying to get more people involved, try to have more writers and authors and things involved. Though, again, it's just... Just a few of us here right now getting those things happen. Check it out. It's kingdomofthelogos.com or kingdomofthelogos.org. Both of them will route you there. So check that out. With that, we hope you enjoyed this. Send us your thoughts. God love you and have a blessed day.